Welcome to the Million Dollar Multi-Op Podcast. Here, you're going to find education, entertainment, and a little inspiration on how to get to the next level. Are you a DJ company owner that's looking for the secret sauce? Congrats, you found it. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Million Dollar Multi-Op Podcast. I'm your host, David Osborne with BlueprintLearn.com. And today on the podcast, we have my friend, Mike Walter. Welcome, Mike. How are you, David? Man, I'm oh. great. <laughs> studio, studio audience and everything. Studio audience. We flew them in from Very Missouri because nice. they, they've never cool. heard of either one of us. So it's great. <laughs> um, so listen, if you're a listener of this podcast, heck, if you're even just in the DJ industry at all, the chance that you know who Mike Walter is, you got a good chance that you know Mike. But just in case you don't, consider this your your indoctrination into the real DJ industry. Mike is a titan. He's a titan of the industry. And I'm just going to list off a few things that uh, he, he's been known for and some of his products. So Mike is the owner of Elite Entertainment in New Jersey. He's a celebrated educator. You can see him on stage at conferences all across the country. I think there's one coming up at MEX that I, I expect to see, see him on stage. He is the author of On This Day in Music and Running Your Multi-Op. And he's got a few videos out, Training Your Next Great DJ, Keys to a Great DJ and MC Performance, and A Wedding with Mike Walter. I have watched all of them. He is an active MC trainer. He'll, you can fly him in and he'll work with your staff. He and Joe Bunn have the PHDJ podcast. And last but not least, an avid Mets fan. Let's go, Mike Walter. All of the above. All of the above. And thanks for jumping on this call before the season starts, because once once April hits, I don't know if we can talk as nicely. It's a great point. Yeah. Got a little, got time in January. Don't have that much time in, in April and May. Correct. Right. The TV, yeah. all my kids, my kids come in every day of the week. The Braves are on. So uh, and I, I'm pretty excited. Are you, are you excited about the 24 Mets? Uh, no, my Mets have done nothing in this offseason, and uh, they will uh, no doubt let me down as they have every year since 1986 in some form hey, or another. But 86, that was a great year. And even though they're losing some star power in the starting lineup, I think they've got more depth. I think they've got, I think they've got it. They're, they're building. I'm, okay. I'm optimistic for I like, you. I, I like, I'm optimistic for 25 and beyond. I don't think this year is going to be much. We made some moves late last year that restocked our farm system, but those aren't going to pay off. And this is probably a good segue into the multi-op. Sometimes you got to fill the pipeline uh, and train some people, and they're not going to be doing weddings next month, but they might be doing weddings six months and 12 months from now. And I think that's where the Mets are. They've got some talent in the pipeline, but it's not going to, I don't think it'll pay off this year. That's just my thought. I fully understand. We went through that with the Braves for a while there, and we're just kind of seeing the fruits of that. Yeah, and, you guys um, have rebuilt your your team uh, expertly. Expertly, I'll take full credit for that. I'll you take, good? Yeah, I did it. It's yeah. it's what I do during the day. You know, you DJ on the weekends, but during the week, it's me and Anthopolis. We're doing it. Nice. Um, you know, you uh, the players change. We still love the team, right? Yeah. What is it? Seinfeld who does a whole routine about how we're really just rooting for laundry, right? We're just rooting <laughs> for the uniform. That's so accurate. Yeah, that's not good. Now they get to throw back the city city connectors. Deion Sanders to me is a perfect example. I hated Deion when he was a Niner. I loved him when he was a Cowboy. You know, there you go. How do you feel yeah. about him now uh, as a as a coach? Well, you don't really follow. I college don't football, follow right? college football. I got caught up in the whole. What was he? Colorado, right? Yeah, Colorado. I got caught up because they started out so hot, and I you know I actually watched a couple of those games, and then 
um, they shit the bed and went back to being Colorado. And yeah. Shit the bed is the right term. It was really, you know, I was yeah. rooting for him for a while. And then, you know, there's it was, people a, it was an epic story in September. Yeah. And then uh, your, your weight training and conditioning catches up to you at some point, certain point. Yeah. And you're playing those, exactly. those teams. Yeah. Uh, well, Mike, you know, I, I listed off and I, I kicked off this podcast with a list of your, your accomplishments and the things that, that people know you for. And for a long time, and I'd say for a lot of my career and um, even what I'm doing now, I think I'm, I spend a lot of time talking about similar things that you talk about, recruiting, training, multi-op growth, and, you know, credit where credit is due. You know, I think a lot of us stand on the shoulders of giants. And I think I've learned a lot from you and you're one of the giants that whose shoulders I occupy, but you get asked a lot of questions you get in an expert status. What are, what are some of those questions? What are the top three things that you get asked from the DJ industry, from peers, from people that are looking to learn top three things that people are looking to grow and they're asking you about? Well, I guess prof just on a profound macro level, I'm often asked why. And I'm also, I'm often asked, how can you trust anyone to go out under your name? Um, to me, the why question is pretty simple because I wanted to have a sustainable company and something that will not only live past me being in the business, but something that will support me once I stop wanting to perform, which is ironic because that was a plan years ago. And yet now the plan sort of is I might sell elite and still perform, you know, uh, because I'm at, at this stage in my life, I'm trying to figure out what my passions are. And I have as much of a passion for running a business as I do for performing. And I think there are certain days, you know, I had a wedding last night and that high that I get from a wedding, I don't duplicate that any any other space in my life. So uh, anyway, that's a tangent to go down. But that's the why is, is I just wanted to, I didn't want to just be booking myself. And there were a couple times in my career early on where I was like, oh, is this whole multi-op thing really worth it? Is it worth the headaches? Is it worth the stress? And maybe I should just, and I, and I stopped myself and I, I went, no, I, I still want to do this. And I want to build a company. And, you know, 20, 25 years later, I'm glad I did. Yeah. I'm going to pipe in here and say, I think, I think that's a great answer because a lot of people think you didn't mention money. I mean, you mentioned sustainability. But you thought about a legacy, right? You thought about what happens if I'm not able to, or what happens when I stop. And you're thinking about planning for your future, which is super smart. And I also understand still wanting to perform. What is it? I think um, DJ Diesel, Shaquille O'Neal, he said that uh, DJing is the only way he can replicate that game seven energy now that he's retired from the NBA. And I think he's right. It's a, it's a high like no other when, when people are singing along and you made it happen. There's a quote that I use in, in a seminar that, that I'll be doing out in Mex. And I heard this quote years ago, and I just think it's so great. They asked Bob Hope towards the end of his life why he didn't just retire and go fishing. And he said, because the fish don't applaud. And, and I think that speaks to, if you're a true performer at heart, I think you need that. You need, and, and you don't get it from any other place in your life. You know, my wife loves me, but she doesn't stand up and cheer when I walk in, you know, when I come home at night. My bride sent me a text, you know, 11 o'clock this morning from last night telling me how awesome I was and I made her day and everyone's raving about her. 
I, I it's probably a, a shortcoming on my part that I need that, but I, I need that. I need that that um, that positive reinforcement. Do you think that speaking at conferences kind of scratches that same itch, or is it it's is it different? It's a, it's a similar itch. Yeah, it's it's not the same exact itch, but it is. It's definitely a similar itch. I do. I remember early on going to conventions as an attendee and seeing speakers up there. And my initial thought was, A, I could learn from this guy or gal, but B, I want to get up there. I want to, I want to, I have a message. I have something I can teach the industry. And so I, after two or after attending two or three conferences, I, I reached out to producers pretty, pretty soon, pretty quickly. And, um, you're very good at it. I think you're great at coming up with seminars. I think you're great at staying fresh because, you know, a lot of times we go to seminars, we go to conferences and a lot of the content's very similar and very much the same. And I think you found a way to not just recycle the same words over and over again, but come up with fresh things. Uh, how, how are you, what inspires you when you're coming up with a talk, a topic? Well, thank you for noticing you. that, David, because it is something that I put a lot of work into. And, and I think anyone uh, could present seminars at the level that I do if they just put the work in. You know, when I see a speaker get up on stage and the first thing out of his mouth is, I didn't do a PowerPoint. I'm just going to, I just have a few things. And I go, so you didn't prepare at all. So I'm now as an attendee sitting here for the next 45 minutes to an hour to, to listen to you what just you know ramble on and make stuff up and and I, I've always respected the the attendee too much to to just do that I, I've always wanted to put a ton of work into it and make it something new make it something creative try to put some humor in it because I think that's important if you're going to sit through a 45 to 60 minute seminar there has to be a couple of chuckles at least and a you know and then obviously some key takeaways I never want to waste people's time if they're sitting there. You know, I want them to walk away with nuggets. <laughs> hey, that. My first sound effect. That's another thing. To me, that's not only respecting the attendee, but it's respecting the speaker that goes after you. Um, you, you, you know, if you go five, ten minutes over, you're not only disrespecting the speaker that goes after you, you're disrespecting the production company who put this whole thing on because now they're scrambling to, you know, fix the schedule. I, and I, I just don't see it. When you get that five minute warning, um, wrap it up. Uh, yeah. And when I when I do my seminars, I practice and I don't, I don't necessarily practice the whole thing from start to finish. I will if I have the time in my schedule, but I at least will say, OK, there's three sections to this talk. I'm going to practice each each section and I know how long each section is. So I kind of yeah. know, hey, I should be done with this one by 20 minutes in this one by 35 minutes in. Keep yeah, and that's exactly how I end on time. I, I know from rehearsal where I'm at. And, you know, there are times where I look down on my notes and I'm supposed to be at 45 minutes in, but I'm at 50 minutes in and I go, oh, you better hurry up. Like yep. I, I've, I've, you know, for some reason I've gone off on a tangent or whatever. I took longer to tell a story than I thought I did. So now I'm a little bit behind. All right. So that just means I got to, I got to hustle up, you know. And the show producers trust you. So they know that when they have Mike on the, on the docket, they know you're going to deliver. And that's a good segue for trust. So. Uh, we, you said the second thing that you're asked a lot is how could you ever trust someone to go out under your brand name? And, uh, let's talk about that. What, how do you answer that? You know, to me, I mean, the, the answer is just find the right people and know who the right people are. 
And I think a lot of that goes back to the point that we were just making about having your farm system and being patient. You know, I would, I mean, I just worked with a new person last night for the first time, showed a ton of ability. He's got some potential. He's not going to be doing a wedding for me next week. You know, right. he still has to go through a long process of training and, and assisting on jobs and everything else. So by the time I give him the ultimate responsibility of doing an event, he will have kind of proved himself over time that he's responsible, that he's professional, that he knows how to show up on time, that he knows how to do things uh, when asked to do them. So, uh, you know, I'm going to knock wood here because I don't want to jinx myself, but I so, so rarely have issues with my crew. And when they are, they're legitimate. You know, they're they're legitimately like, Mike, I got into a car accident on the way to an event or I'm deathly ill or my wife went into labor. I don't get those like, yeah, I don't feel like work and it's a Saturday afternoon and I, you know, the beach is too, is too nice. I don't, I don't get those situations. Well, and that's commendable. That means you're doing a lot of vetting. You're doing a lot of, um, you're being really aware and you have high standards. We have I, to, if, you, if you're a multi-op, you have to, to me, you just have to have high standards. Absolutely. And now your folks are W2, right? They are all employees. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen uh, a pretty, have you seen anything, any changes from pre-pandemic to post-pandemic in the quality of the applicants? Uh, have they changed at all or just even is any changes at all? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, I, I've had a few good recruitment classes since the pandemic, but I also had a few good ones right before the pandemic. So um, listen, whenever I recruit, I, I put ads out on social media and Craigslist and everything else. And I, I, it is, it is a, a cattle call and I, I'm fully aware that I'm going to meet some people who are, would, could never DJ, even though I put, you know, words in my ad, like outgoing personality and love of music and, you know, enthusiasm. I put those keywords in there. And sometimes you just get people that you have to feel like you have to check their pulse when they walk in your door. Uh, but I, I've never minded that. I, I'm fully aware that I've got to meet plenty of people who aren't qualified to do this job before I meet the, the right person. And to me, that's just, it's, it's part of the process. Yeah. And self-awareness is one of the things I think we run into all the time is uh, like, oh, I did smile. No, no, like, no, no, you didn't. No, you right. didn't. Maybe, maybe you moved your upper lip a little bit, but I didn't. Right. I didn't. I didn't see. By the way, team. I'm going to pay you a compliment, David. I and I, I've said this to your face, so this isn't something that you haven't heard from me. I have seen you spin now at a few different DJ conferences. I love your energy behind the board. I love your animation. I love that you sing along with lyrics. You are. I'm, I am the same way. I cannot stand still when I mix. I'm constantly moving around, bopping around, having a good time. Um, I, it comes across sincere when you do it. Um, and I just, I love watching you spin. And it's one of those things I look for in my recruits. Like, yeah, move around, have fun. This is a party. People, those people are out there dancing. We should be doing it too. You know? Um, yeah, that's a, it's a big thing for me. Thanks, Mike. I think I'll move to Jersey. You got a job. <laughs> if You got a job waiting for you if, if you ever that's do. Dope. I tell people all the time, cause, uh, you know, I'm, not a spring chicken anymore. I'm not old, but either. But I'm, I'm hey, 41. Stop that! I'm, I'm I, I got 16 years on you. You, you are a spring chicken. Well, okay, I'll tell you this way. At least when I, I when we play the swag surf at, at weddings, I'll get out there and I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll in my knees, man. I get back to my booth and I'm like, oh right. my god. So if someone's assisting me and they see me warming up and stretching my legs, they know what's coming. Um, 
my when, assistant, my assistant at my wedding last night just turned 30 and he was complaining about his back. And I'm like, Bobby, you better shut up right now. I said, I am almost <laughs> twice your age. I don't want to hear one problem about physical conditioning. Stop it. You're way oh, too young. Oh, that's great. Okay. So when you've got your staff, right, you're running a multi-op, you've got new people coming in. I think there's a lot of different models for a multi-op and for sales. And I know you know, speak, you just mentioned Joe Bunn. I know, unless he's changed it recently, I know that he has his DJs do all the sales themselves. And I know that's a popular model with 1099. Mm -hmm. uh, we're all W2 and we have centralized sales. And last time I checked, you do as well. Um, what, what do you love about centralized sales? And what, you know, if you could change something, maybe what would you change about it? So what I love about it is that uh, I don't have to, I don't have to worry about my DJs who are not full-time at this, who most of my DJs have full-time jobs. And I don't have to worry about them following up on clients or contacting clients and setting up appointments and things like that. Um, let's face it, the skill set between being a salesperson and being a DJ are, are they don't always cross, you know, it's, it's a Venn diagram that there's not necessarily a lot of stuff in the middle. So I don't want one of my DJs to suffer from a light schedule just because he's not good at sales. He or she is not good at sales. The paranoid part of me also, I don't want my DJs to do too much stuff because then what do they need me for? Um, so I, I just always wanted my guys and gals to be able to, at least going to fill my schedule. Yes, you got to come to some, some showcases every once in a while. And maybe I'm going to need you to hop on a phone call with somebody to help close the deal. But for the most part, you, you're, you don't need to be involved in, in selling. Um, you just look one day and your schedule is filled. And I think that's the best scenario to have. I, that's nail on the head because we have, uh, you know, Ian, we were just talking about him, who's the ghost on this call. He does our sales and is f fabulous at it. And it's where the, the Venn diagram meets and it overlaps. Uh, are you still doing sales yourself? Some, yeah. I mean, I've got Dave uh, and Dominic in the office, so they take the the majority of the leads. But but I'll, I'll grab them from here. You know, matter of fact, two weeks ago, I, we have a sales meeting every Monday, and I was like, "Hey, guess who was the number one salesperson last week?" <laughs> I just happened to have a, 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 a close more deals than anybody, so I got to I got to brag. Yeah, and I think okay. Here's an interesting question: uh, When you're and I've been guilty of this myself, and I, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but because I'm the owner of the company, when I show up at an event, uh, my brain is in a few different tracks, right? Like I want to serve my couple. I want to do a great job and I want to blow this event through the roof. But then I'm also thinking about the venue relationship and the vendor relationship and the sales and uh, nurturing that sort of thing. Do you think that that plays a pretty, pretty big part in it for you and your ability to close more sales? because you're thinking in that mode all the time? Well, let me just be clear. I don't, our closing rate is is very similar within percentage points, Dominic, okay. Dave and I. So I don't think I'm any better at sales. I just happen to have collected a good number of leads a few weeks ago and, and closed the most. And, and, that's, and if that happens two or three more times this year, that'll be, that'll be the most. And it'll probably happen when Dominic is on vacation in July. Um, so yeah, that was just an aberration. But but I do get your point, I think, as an owner, but also as salespeople. Like if you know, Dave was at Dave was at a new banquet hall last week and he came in this morning uh to tell me about the relationship he started with the with the banquet manager there. I don't think everyone on staff would have 
thought that far out and gone, hey, we're not recommended here. Let me see if I can make a contact. Let me see if I can get the referral. That took somebody who works here in the office to to have that kind of connection. Right. They can see that whole game plan. Yeah. And you said you had a sales meeting. I think, you know, we've got a few minutes left. Let's kind of dive into that for a minute. Uh, talk to me about a sales meeting and talk to our audience. A sales meeting, what kinds of things are you, are you reviewing? How are you setting goals? Uh, how are you measuring metrics? Yeah, I mean, we just we we meet every Monday and um, and just talk about the week that was and the week that's going to be. Like, what were the numbers from last week, and what, how do the numbers? How many pendings contracts do we have out? What does this week look like as far as appointments? Do we have any showcases coming up? Um, we just kind of review the schedule, make sure there's going to be full coverage, um, that type of thing. It's I'm not a big long meeting guy. Uh, it's probably the New Yorker in me. Our meetings are often 10, 15 minutes, but I, I just want to every once a week, I want to give everyone opportunity to voice any concerns or make any suggestions or, you know, it's just an open forum because the rest of the week we might not, our our schedules might not cross and we might not be all, all three of us in the office at the same time. So Monday afternoon is that's, it's our one opportunity to do that. Okay. And, and I so also, by the way, we didn't schedule it because of this, but I have my staff meeting tonight with all my DJs. And that's something we do on a regular basis as well. It'll be our first one of the year. Got a number of different topics I need to talk to the crew about and uh, bring everybody up to speed about. So those are, as a multi-op owner, I'm sure you, well, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I, I would have guessed that you do regular meetings on a on a fairly regular basis, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it almost sounds like your sales meeting is a little bit of a production meeting too, because you're, you're talking Absolutely. sales, but you're also talking yeah. about what's coming up this week. So it's a great touch point. And I think that, that, and, you know, I mentioned his name earlier, but uh, Matt Radicelli. And when I think about scorecards and I think about tracking and I think about any healthy business, the case for doing it weekly is that you don't miss stuff. You know, I think yeah. you can look at things monthly, you can look at things quarterly and you should. But when you're looking at it weekly, you can start to see the trends. You can start to see, oh my gosh, we're down leads three weeks in a row. What's going on? And then you can, you know, it doesn't sneak up on, and bite you in the ass. So I, I said this at the Harvest of Sound back in uh, December. Matt was in the room. And I said that Matt is one of the two people in this industry that I look up to as far as business owners and and really knowing what their business is and looks like. And it wasn't until I met Matt and Jeff Craig is also the other one uh, that I realized I've been flying by the seat of my pants for most of my career. And uh, they both taught me to analyze my business better. Now, fortunately, I had a successful business anyway, but I feel much more confident in the last decade plus since I've gotten to know those two gentlemen, because I do now analyze my business a lot closer than I used to. That serious smarts right there, talking about having smart people in your life, right? Making sure you've got mentors, people you look up to. Um, and I think that's a good segue. We can kind of land the plane here because you just mentioned knowing these guys for 10 years. You're talking about you've been in the industry for 35 years now. Is that right? 36. 36. My Last year was my 35th, yeah. And you've got, uh, yeah. that's the title of your seminar. The things that's right. Yeah, lessons tell us about from my, that. Tell us about your upcoming seminar at MEX. I did this uh, seminar in, in Atlantic City at DJX, and it, I called it 35. I'm going to still call it 35 years, even though this is now my 36th. 
Um, I, I put together a solid hour of uh, stories from my 35 year career, but I didn't want this to just be me, you know, rambling on and giving and reminiscing. So every story that I tell, there is a specific lesson, a takeaway. Some of them are motivational, some of them are educational, uh, but there's but everything I share uh, in that seminar has got a takeaway. Uh, so I did that seminar last year, and I'll be presenting it at MEX, and then I'll also be presenting it one final time at Marquee in June uh, in Chicago. And I'm really proud of that seminar. It feels like a career, um, you know, kind of um, recompassing of my whole career and, and a look back. And, and it's been a very rewarding 36 years. I'm, I'm extremely, as I say in that seminar, uh, I'm extremely lucky to have found this industry. I've I've got a very narrow ta talent set, so I don't know. And I, there aren't many other careers I could have found where I could have been this successful. So uh, the fact that I stumbled on mobile DJing was a happy coincidence. I love that. And I tell people all the time, it's that Venn diagram. I just happen to be doing the job where I'm all I'm good at all the things that are involved. Because yeah. if you knew, if you knew me in real life, if you knew all these things that right. if, you, if you saw me not be able to get to the grocery store because I got lost, you'd be like, oh. It's a good thing he's a DJ right. and not. There are 99 you know. other choices I could have made that I, I'd be making minimum wage and, and yeah. pumping gas right now. But yeah, I happen to fall into the one that, that uh, would fit me. And we're glad that you did. So, uh, Mike, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Why don't you tell everybody how they can find you on social media or whatever your favorite platform is? Well, don't follow me on Facebook unless you uh, have a tolerance <laughs> for... Uh, my opinions. I, I tend to be fairly outspoken on Facebook, and and um, you'll get a lot of you'll get a lot of movie reviews and sports predictions, but also some political stuff. Which I so don't follow me on Facebook unless you're up for all that. Uh, but you can find me on there, Michael Walter. If you're interested in any of the products that David mentioned, uh, you can go to djmikewalter.com. Uh, and you can check those out there. And if you are interested in, as David mentioned, having me speak to your company or do a training session with your company, you can reach out to me. Amazing. Amazing. This is, this podcast is getting recorded before the Super Bowl. It's going to drop after the Super Bowl. Do you have a Super Bowl prediction? I so this is the, just so uh, our listeners understand, this is the day after championship Sunday. Correct. I am shocked that the Chiefs opened up as a one-point underdog. I, I thought, I mean, to me, just the difference between quarterback uh, should make all the difference. I think the Chiefs win it. I don't want to say handily, but 24-17. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you on the Chiefs. I, I hope there's a little bit better game in there, but I'm not holding my breath. So... Thank you, everyone, for tuning in and listening to some great gold nuggets. Again, we have free resources at blueprintlearn.com slash resources, and we'll see you on the next one.